Okay, welcome to the United podcast, a very special episode because Larry has called in sick, so we have an injury replacement for him, my fellow committee member from the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney, uh, Brendan Bella, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, Tom. How are you going? Yeah, all very good. Now, for those of you at home and part of the Sydney Supporters Club or on the Sydney Facebook page, as you might know, um, Brendan's lovely wife, Bridget, is pregnant. Um, is there any progress on the names in regards to maybe getting a, a Man United influence in the little little one's name? Mate, we've made, we're making slow and steady progress. So we're about the halfway mark now, so uh, I've still got you know, another four to five months now to uh, to continue to convince her that it should be a United-related name. So uh, slow and steady progress, mate, just chipping away at that one. Yeah, no, so if anyone has any um, suggestions, uh, let us know. My suggestion was obviously Bruno Bella, but um, we'll see how it goes. But on to big news of the day or big news of the week is obviously Harry Maguire. Um, where to start with Harry Maguire? So we discussed that a little bit on the last podcast. But now he obviously was found guilty. Now, it's a little bit of a unique circumstance. Obviously, the way the Greek courts went about the trial and sort of didn't really allow Harry Maguire's defence team to sort of prepare an appeal. So he obviously was found guilty of all three charges. I think they were along the lines of repeated bribery, assault of a police officer, aggravated assault. There's a few things there. But he has sort of maintained his innocence and they will appeal it. The appeal is being granted. Um, just your first and first sort of thoughts on it, because I obviously discussed with Larry. What were your general feelings when you first heard the news that he was arrested in Greece? Yeah, look. At, at first, I thought you know, you know it was just more than more than likely a um, a big probably misunderstanding. You know, somebody high profile just getting caught up in the middle of something, and the media blowing it out of proportion. But as the days went on, looks um, looks more and more likely that uh, that Harry. Probably did commit some sort of offence. How um, you know how severe? It's still yet to be determined because we hear we hear things like the the bribery, and it seems like all that we're hearing is uh, a lot of what happened in the aftermath. But what was the actual incident? Like, what did he do to, to get arrested, and what um, what sort of provocation was involved? Those sort of things have um, have still not yet come to light, as as far as I can work out. So. Um, yeah, very, very, very tricky circumstances. I think, and the, the fact that uh, his sister was involved, and you know, she she looks like she was in, uh, assaulted in some ways. They're, they're saying that she was stabbed. As far as I can work out, that was um, she was sort of stabbed, but with some sort of straw or nothing, nothing like a knife or anything like that. But looks like there was some sort of provocation. Was it because of his high profile? Uh, you know, was it because he was causing some sort of trouble? We, we've still yet to find out. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. I think so much will come out. I think the United are under the impression that obviously they're going ahead with the appeal and he has the full backing of Manchester United. Where the United are under the impression that it might be a few months before that appeal is sort of heard. So we definitely haven't seen the last of it. But just, you just mentioned his sister there. I was just on Twitter about 20 minutes before we've gone live and she retweeted a tweet from a guy called Chris Hughes. Apparently this Chris Hughes is very famous. I've never heard of him. Maybe an English actor or something. Apparently he was out with the Maguires and Harry Maguire on that night. He was seen drinking with them sort of earlier in the evening. And Daisy Maguire, his sister, was obviously the one that almost in the centre of this has retweeted this. So she has sort of come out and said something in regards to this. But Chris Hughes put a tweet out saying, I pray when the truth comes out, the horrendous ordeal that Harry and his family may have been... Oh, sorry. I'll restart that again. 
I pray when the truth comes out, the horrendous ordeal that Harry and his family have been through in Greece will be a firm reminder that situations shouldn't be judged by anybody until they know anything. They're the most genuine, lovely family who've lived through a horror film. The truth always comes out, and they they all need apologies. And Harry Maguire put out a little bit of a cryptic Instagram message the other day saying there's three things that can't be hidden, the sun, the moon, and the truth. So I do feel yeah. for Maguire because, look, he might be guilty of something. He might be definitely guilty of assaulting a police officer. However, yeah. you do need, do need to apply context. If the police officer is plain clothed, and in the heat of a moment where there's an altercation, he might have hit him. He's definitely not under the impression that he's a police officer. So yeah. I think it's hard. I think all of us do back Maguire, but his name has completely been dragged through the mud. And, okay, in a Greek court, technically he has been found guilty, but now the appeal is underway. He's almost back in the innocent column. But um, I mean, it's one of those things where we do back him. I think 99% of us do believe him. However, this is huge. this is a huge impact on his character. Massive, and he's going to lose some England. He's going to, you know, he he was meant to be in the England squad, and looks like he's going to miss out on that. So that's going to rob him of the chances of representing his country. Something that he'll never ever get back, regardless of whether he found he gets found in, uh, innocent or not. So you can't uh, you can't give that back to him if uh, if he does get in fact proved innocent. So it's well, one of the things good. on Sky Sports yesterday, they came out with the um, Sky Sports routes on Carrington Training Ground. And they said Harry Maguire met with both Solskjaer and Woodward. Well, I assume it was a Solskjaer and Woodward or definitely higher-ups at the club. And Man United, the club, gave him reassurances that his captaincy was still in place. And I'm just sure, just general thoughts on sort of the captain issue with Maguire and oh, does this play any right. part, or maybe not long-term, but in, just in the immediate future? Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, if it's innocent until proven guilty. And, you know, he, he I think he should maintain that um, for... Definitely for the time being, if down the track he's found guilty of something and they got that concrete evidence to show that he did something wrong, well then, you know, I'm sure that the, he, he'll step down from the captaincy and that'll be taken away for, from him. But for the time being, 100%, he, he should retain that and he should get the backing, full backing from the club. Yeah. Uh, I know that's something that Ferguson would have done 100%, you know, where he backed Cantona and Cantona repaid him by coming back after his suspension was served. Um, and th this is something that um, the club needs to do to, to back Maguire all the way here and um, get behind him until this, this whole thing is over and wait until that, uh, that, uh, that verdict is, is, um, is given once and for all, once the appeal is over. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a shame that when, because you, you look at that, you look when sort of Roy Keane had his troubles, but you, you just mentioned Eric Cantona then. You remember when Eric Cantona came back from his ban from that Kung Fu kick the reception he had at Old Trafford was this just huge reception, yeah. and it's a shame because I think the Old Trafford faithful would really rally behind Harry Maguire coming back. I think the first game of the season, you know, everyone would be sort of be wearing Harry Maguire masks. I think he'd absolutely love and get a great reception. It's just a shame that's definitely going to be behind closed doors because yeah. I think look, there are, there is a section on social media who sort of have used this as an opportunity to lay into Harry Maguire, but I think ninety nine percent of fans have really sort of done the right thing and really sort of, pardon the pun, but stayed united and sort of really rallied behind him. No, 100, 100%. I think, uh, you know, whether you're a supporter of United or another club, I think a lot of people know that when it comes to these situations in a foreign country, that, um, that there, there's a lot of things that don't come to light until, until, um, until a lot further down the track. I and mean, we've seen it with 
multiple cases, and uh, whether it's footballers or not, um, yeah, they, these things need to take their. I'll have their day in court, and a lot more evidence needs to be um, needs to be shown, and a lot more things need to be proven before you can make a judgment on any sort of character or any sort of person. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll make sure you're tuned in next week because I'm sure there'll be another development of these turning into a little bit of a soap opera, especially when you start hearing about sort of Albanian gangsters being involved with the sister. And, um, absolutely, absolutely. But on to football term. Well, not on football. It is off the pitch news, but um, it will have a significant impact on the pitch. Um, Dean Henderson overnight signed a, a five-year contract with the option to extend for a six-year they reckon on over 100 grand a week. I've heard read around maybe 110, 120,000 pound a week. Just your thoughts on we've discussed at length, me and Larry, in past podcasts with regards to the De Gea and Henderson debate. Before we get into the ins and outs of what you think will happen, just your thoughts on sort of the whole situation last year where De Gea was maybe sort of a little bit out of form. Dean Henderson was looked to be having this great season, and that sort of conversation started where it was almost okay, it's, it's a time to get rid of De Gea and bring in Dean Henderson. No, look, you know, De Gea has given the club, uh, I believe it's nine years, nine years service now, and along the way he's, he's played Champions League football, he's played in the World Cup for Spain, he's got a lot of experience, I mean, as we know, he's won the Player of the Year award three years out of the nine, is it four, Tom, or is it yeah, three? Yeah, uh, he definitely set a record, I think, from memory. It's, it has got, it's got an incredible record over the last nine years. Just to sideline him and bring in another keeper after one good season at league level is, for me, it's totally unjustified. You can't just sideline De Gea, somebody that many regard as you know, one of the best in the world, for, for another keeper who doesn't have as much experience and who's only had one good season in the Premier League. No European football, very little international football. I, I don't, has he made his England debut yet? I think he's in the current England squad, and it looks like he potentially play in this next international break. Yeah, I mean, De Gea's got the international experience. He's got the European experience. How can you sideline him to bring in somebody else that's um, that's had only one good season at league level? For me, I don't think that um, that we'll see him pull on a United shirt this season. I think he will go back to Sheffield United and have another season with them, at least one more. Well, no, I think it looks like Sheffield United potentially are running. They, they've signed the Bournemouth goalkeeper and they signed him for sort of about 18, 18 to 20 million. So I think that those sort of, I wouldn't say bridges are burned, but I think Sheffield United is definitely out of the option. But just in regards to, okay, you think he's going to go back out on loan. Let's say it's yeah. not to Sheffield United. Could you see another Premier League club or do you, do you think it's a potential? We don't often loan players out to Europe with a view to bring them back to the club. But um, here it might be a unique circumstance. Or do you just look at the sort of the facts of it? And if we've offered him a six-year contract and yeah. he's on hundred grand a week, do you think the club are maybe it's, looking at? It's a huge. It's a huge contract, and it's a it's a long period of time. And I think that in time he will become United's number one. I think they have that. Um, they have the view for him to become United's number one. But do I see him playing in a United shirt in the coming season? It's a, it's a no for me. Somewhere he will play on loan somewhere. Um, where we'll yet to see, but I don't. I do not believe he'll be at United, and I do not think he's um, he'll he'll settle for a secondary role. I think that's um, De Gea's got the number one shirt, or will be have the main will be the main goalkeeper. And Dean Dean Henderson, after having one brilliant season in the league, I don't think he'll settle for being a number two at United at this point in time. I think he'll. 
he'll find himself out on loan again, and um, that I think that's that suits him, and I think that suits the club. Yeah, so see, if I was to put money on it, I do think he goes out on loan. Now, the issue is I have no idea where he'll go out on loan. I don't think anywhere. I think clubs in the Premier League would take him, but I'm not sure of the goalkeeping situation currently, so there's nothing that really springs to mind. However, yeah. do you think, regardless of, okay, both our opinions are that he should go back out on loan, do, do you think there's a, any scenario where having them both at the club would actually work, or do you just think it's got disaster written all over it that one week De Gea makes a mistake, so Henderson comes in, Henderson makes a mistake, so De Gea comes in. Do you think there's a scenario where it could work, or just definitely just don't even touch it? No, I, I don't. I think you've got to have your, your main number one, and you've, you've always got to back him. I think we saw a, um, a situation in the early part of De Gea's career when you, we almost didn't know who was going to play goalkeeper, whether it was De Gea or Lindegaard. And you know, it didn't. Uh, it didn't. That didn't prove successful. I think you've got to have your main number one. It's always good to have goalkeepers challenging each other, or any player challenging another player who's in the same position. But um, I don't think we, we will see that happen at this point in time. And then second to all of that, what happens to Romero? Does he does he get shipped out? Does he go out on loan, or does he get sold? You know, Romero is a fantastic goalkeeper, and he's he's proved um, his worth every single time he's pulled on a jersey. I cannot remember him making a mistake while he's worn the shirt, while he's deputised uh, deputised for De Gea. So that he, you know, once you throw all three of them in the mix, uh, somewhere somehow it's got to give. I don't think we can have uh, those three goalkeepers all at United at the one time. So. Yeah, very, very interesting situation. But I think De Gea's got to be back the whole way, and um, you can't have goalkeepers coming in and out. You've got to have, you've got to settle on that, on that, that huge role, that huge part of the team. Yeah, no, pretty much my thoughts exactly. But just on Romero, there's has been a little bit of talk, and again, it's a transfer rumor. So how much weight you want to put on it, I'm not quite sure. But he is linked with potentially a move to Aston Villa. I mean, usually you just say, okay, what happens happens. However, whenever you do mention Aston Villa and Man United. Um, obviously, the name Jack Grealish does come up. So, just your thoughts. And I don't think, look, Jack Grealish is potentially going to cost anywhere from 60 to 80 million if he is to leave. And look, as much as we just praise Sergio Romero, he's a great goalkeeper, really. He's maybe going for 5 million, 10 million if someone is completely desperate. So, I don't think you could really include Romero in a Grealish sort of player plus cash swap deal. But do you think there is a just a, there's an avenue there if United do want to pursue Jack Grealish? that they will sort of maybe push Romero towards Aston Villa? Well, like you said, you touched on the cash there. I, I don't think that, that the cash would even come, um, would play a part in the in the deal. Um, he wouldn't be worth anywhere near what Grealish is worth. Mm. So for for the sake of a few million, as you mentioned, I don't think it really plays a part in terms of, the, in terms of any type of player swap. Um, but so, in terms of having that conversation, if they're in talks with someone... Yeah. But it's uh, the dialogue's open, and suddenly, okay, if you're not talking to Aston Villa at the moment, if you can go with them as something just to start the conversation, and suddenly you're in negotiations because at the moment United look like they're negotiating with absolutely no one. Mm, yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on. That could sweeten the deal. And do Aston Villa need a goalkeeper? The answer is yes. I believe Pepe Reina played uh, for them in the uh, back half of the year. Will he be there next year? Has anything been? 
has anything been confirmed on uh, Pepe Reina's future? Actually, I think maybe the listeners probably all know and they're all probably screaming the club he's gone to. But I'm positive he left. I'm positive there was like a goodbye video or something. So uh, okay. he very well might be at Aspenville. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, there was something about him I did see pop up at the end of the season. But Romero would fit into most Premier League clubs, even even uh, some of the, the top clubs. You know, he, he, he'd fit right in. To, uh, he, he deserves to play Premier League football and he's served us well over the last few years And but uh, I think it comes down to his individual choice. I think the club would love to have him but they find themselves in quite a uh, situation now where they've got uh, Henderson, De Gea and Romero so potentially it could be time to uh, time for him to, to finish his career off, um, you know, off in a really positive way by being the, uh, the number one goalkeeper at, at another club somewhere. So yeah, uh, that's I think that's something he definitely deserves because I think he has made a very good career out of being the second-choice goalkeeper. But there must come a time. Like, I think he does live the dream. He wouldn't want to be the reserve goalkeeper at United, come on and play a couple of games in the Europa League. But I think as a professional, there must come a time, especially now in his career. And after, I wouldn't say snubbed in a bad way with Solskjaer in the Europa League, but kind of snubbed by Solskjaer. So maybe there is a part of him where he's gone, okay, now it's time to move on. And I don't think anyone would... Um, begrudge him a move um, away because he has done well at United and obviously he has won a trophy or two or obviously played an important part in the Europa League victory under Mourinho. Yeah. But just on, we just mentioned obviously Dean Henderson and a club that definitely uh, won't be getting him who is who's strongly linked with Chelsea, but Chelsea sort of don't need to worry because they're seemingly buying every single player that becomes available. I'm sure they'll find another goalkeeper which is probably next on their list. We'll just move on to Chelsea in just a little bit and just... We all sit here and say, okay, United should buy this player, should buy that player, and we all sit back and say, well, hang on, it's not football manager, it's not FIFA, you need to be realistic. You can't bring in five, six, seven players. Chelsea are bringing in five, six, seven players. What do you think of Chelsea's sort of sort of sudden business? Do you think it's because they weren't able to spend last year, they have to have all this sort of cash um, sort, of, sort of stored away and they're just sort of making up for lost time? Or do you think sort of they're just backing their manager 100% and it's just going to risk it all with all these big money signings? No, I think, you, I think you're spot on, Tom. I think the fact that they couldn't sign last year uh, that is, is you know, left them with money to use this year. I mean, we, we, we have to remember that they sold Hazard mm. last year. That would have been a huge injection of funds. And what they, who did they outlay that money on? They, um, that was quite limited on, on their expenditure last year. So I'd say they have money to spend this year. They will be desperate to, uh, to strengthen the squad now that uh, Lampard's had a season in charge and they want to uh, build, build on that squad. So, yeah, I, I do see a few few players coming in. We've already seen Ben Chilwell sign for them. Uh, you know, not, not a massive signing, but like you said, they have, they have made inroads in the transfer market, whereas United, you know, we're still waiting on the, um, on the first one. Yeah, well, you just mentioned that in terms of Frank Lampard. Solskjaer and Frank Lampard got sort of compared so often last season, obviously in and around each other on the table. We played them quite a few times, uh, played them in the League twice, in the League Cup, FA Cup, etc. And it was obviously a bit of a, not a rivalry, but sort of the names are always mentioned in the same sentence. But Solskjaer came in for so much criticism, and he was obviously finished above Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard didn't get one ounce of criticism, and I don't say I don't think Frank Lampard deserved any criticism, but obviously didn't get any compared to Solskjaer. I look at this now, and I, th- I look at the money Chelsea's spending. I think if Frank Lampard loses a game, I'm not saying he should get sacked, of course not, but just sort of throwing a little bit of a joke around, he almost should be his head should be on the chopping block if they lose a game, considering the money he's spending. Who do you think, in terms of? 
Obviously, United are a big brand. If United lose two games in a row, it is a sort of a crisis situation made out in the media. Who do you think is under more pressure this season, at Solskjaer or Lampard, considering the money that he has spent? Uh, I, th- I think um, I think it, when it comes down to the media, the the United manager will always draw the biggest attention because of the uh, popularity of the club, because of the profile of the club. I think the media will always make it out that um, the United manager, whoever it may be, Van Hal, Mourinho, now Solskjaer, has always got the biggest pressure. But um, Lampard spending that amount of money will draw some uh, a great deal of criticism if results don't go his way. But um, the fact that they've got so much money to spend and they continually spend it year after year for the last 15 years or so, I think, um, I think, I think, that will bring some uh, that will bring some pressure to Sid Lampard, but the media will always make it out as if Ole is the one with the biggest mm. target on his head, so to speak. Well, with the target on head, I think the interesting thing or the interesting way to look at the Frank Lampard situation is obviously like Solskjaer, club legend. You, I don't think the fans will really turn on him. Because look, some fans are fickle, maybe they will, but I think the Chelsea fans will definitely stick with Lampard if he goes through a difficult time. But one thing we've seen with Roman Abramovich, the Chelsea owner, since he's taken over, a couple of games and he isn't frightened. He's sacked Mourinho twice, if I'd say. Like, do you think yeah. there is a situation? And again, I don't want to see any manager lose their job. But if Frank Lampard does have maybe a five, six game barren spell, Roman Abramovich could pull the trigger. He's that type of person. No, that's, that's, you're 100% right. They've been through so many managers over the last 15 years. Uh, you know, we we've seen uh, Andre Villas Boas, we've seen Scolari, and we've seen we've seen a number of managers come and go from that club. So uh, I think um, Abramovich is one who can uh, pull that trigger pretty fast if he is not happy with what he sees. Whereas I think now United have um, are really sticking by Solskjaer, and the fact that um, after the uh, the failed. Um, Failed spells of Moyes, Mourinho, and Van Hull. I think I think I get the sense that the board is ready to stick with somebody like Ole and give him some time because um, you know I, there's there's very little chance that we're gonna we're gonna uh, get a manager um, of the the right type of manager to, to come into the club. You know we've we've pro- it's been proven now with Van Hull and Mourinho that. Even mm-hmm. high-profile managers with, with proven track records can't do the job. I think now's the time to, to get back behind a club legend and, and back him for a long period of time. And I get the sense that, uh, that that will happen with Ole. So even if results don't go exactly to plan this year, I, I, I don't think we'll see a managerial change within within the season, within the coming season. No, fingers crossed, and hopefully it doesn't really become a discussion. Hopefully we're just winning games, and it is a discussion for Frank Lampard and Roman Abramovich. But moving on quickly, just before we finish, now I'm not expecting a detailed scouting report because I can't expect many people to have even heard of this player, but he is a player who's suddenly heavily linked with United, and reportedly yesterday a bid was rejected. Don't know how reliable it was, but it did come from what you'd call a sort of sort of a well-known source in France. But a player from Monaco, left-sided centre-back Benoit. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Benoit Badiashile. He's obviously, but he's only 19. He's a 19-year-old um, French defender, centre-back, left-footed. Look, I've done my 10 minutes of YouTube scouting, and he does look fantastic. He looks a, a real, 
a real quality player, but he's only really played a handful of games for Monaco, so I don't really want your opinion on him as a player, but just in regards to the United defence, what do you see? First of all, do you think the Harry Maguire situation plays any part in United's sort of interest in defenders? And also, what is your sort of evaluation of the defence in terms of what do you think needs to be brought in? Uh, I do think we need a centre back. We, we've um, we've we've got so we've had so many. We had, you know, Smalling went out on loan. We had uh, we've got Phil Jones there, Marcus Rojo. We've got Lindelof. We've got Maguire, and we've got Eric Bailly. So for me, Eric Bailly had a fantastic first season when he first came in, but that was nearly four years ago now, and it's yeah. been quite quite injury prone. And you know, unfortunately, things haven't gone. Um, as expected for Bailly, so unfortunately, he can't. It looks like he can't be relied upon. Lindelof's had his chance now two seasons, and for me, he's just not proving to be strong enough. Whether or not Smalling comes back and plays a uh, pivotal role alongside Maguire, time will tell. Um, and who else have we got there? It's, it's Rojo and Jones, and for me, nah, just not strong enough. So, do we need a centre back? My answer is yes. See, so d- d- definitely, 100% agree. However, do you look at and forget the price tag, but do you think even if this guy is the right player and he's the next Rio Ferdinand or next Nemanja Vidic, do you think a 19-year-old is the one who's going to solve our problems? Or do you think it's the time of, I wouldn't say the time to take a risk, but almost just the position we find ourselves in in the current market and what our defence currently looks like, we just get the 19-year-old in and just hope in four or five years he is the real deal? Now, again, yeah, you're probably pinning your hopes on um, on everything going to plan and everything going well. I don't think they can take that gamble at this point in time. I think they need that reliable, proven centre-back to partner Harry Maguire. I don't think we can we can hang our hat and uh, and hope for the best. We, we need to go for somebody with a proven track record. Yeah. Now, to finish off the podcast, the reason um, I think everyone has tuned into this episode, um, what shirt number do you think Lionel Messi will take when he arrives at Old Trafford? <laughs> oh, mate, he, he can come in and choose... He can walk into the dressing room and just demand a number for me. Okay, I think before we start, we'll look at what we know. And again, we don't have details of the the Barcelona contract with Lionel Messi. But what we do sort of believe to be the case is Lionel Messi is under the impression that he could leave for free at the end of the season, which Barcelona said is correct. However, the end of the season is June 10 for Barcelona. So Messi has gone to Barcelona and said, I want to leave for free. It's in my contract. I can do that at the end of the season. Barcelona, and it's a unique circumstance, so the end of the season happens to be now. Barcelona said, well, hang on. Well, the end of the season, we understand that. The contract says June 10. Now, again, we haven't seen the contract, so we're not quite sure of the sort of legalities of it. But and Because the, the buyout clause in his contract is £700 million, pounds, so obviously no one is going to spend that. But in terms of just where do you see the messy situation, we'll get into sort of where he could potentially end up. But do you think this is a ploy... To maybe a, the, obviously Barcelona have a sort of a, it's a sort of very political club. They have elections every year for their president. Um, they've obviously lost eight two against Bayern Munich recently. Um, Suarez it doesn't look happy there. There's a few other players don't look happy there. Gerard Piquet doesn't look happy. Lionel Messi, this is really this isn't just a rumor. This is he's come out and said he wants to leave. Just what you make generally of the whole situation, and then we'll sort of break it down a little bit. No, I think I think this. Um, I, at first, I thought it was just a, a rumor, but it's it's really gathered pace now, and it looks like he will leave. Whether or not it will happen immediately, or whether or not it will happen at the season's end, 
time will tell, but I do not see him at uh, at Barcelona beyond the coming season. So where does he go? My opinion is that uh, the only logical uh, club that he'll end up at is Manchester City. Unfortunately, I don't like to say it, but that's what it looks like. Um, the only logical place, the Pep Guardiola link, and the fact that uh, he may want to play with his good mate Sergio Aguero. So I believe they are... Um, they are best of really, really good friends off the pitch, and of course they're Argentina teammates. So, and the Pep Guardiola link for me, uh, that's um, that may go a long way to um, paving the way for his move to City. Well, what do you make there in terms of if we can differentiate us as United fans and also football fans? What do you see as a sort of football slash United fan? Him going to City is it? You think? Okay, great. We get to see this great player in the English Premier League, or you think, "Shit, I don't want to see him at City." Or because there's a part of me, as much as I don't want to see him at City, I could almost just in terms of the way football narratives work. United fans obviously adore Cristiano Ronaldo. If we see Lionel Messi arrive at Manchester City, do you think, okay, we can accept he's a fantastic footballer, but could he almost sort of turn into public enemy number one, and we really have someone to hate? And I don't think Lionel Messi would flop. I think he's got far too much quality. However, it's not impossible for him to come in a floppy. He's 33, he's coming into a new league. You don't know how it's going to work. Could you see almost United fans really sort of just sitting there with fingers crossed? Because if it does go wrong with Lionel Messi at Manchester City, which I don't think it will, but it could, if it does go wrong, it's going to go wrong horribly and it's going to be an absolute disaster for Manchester City. Well, uh, well, I don't, I, don't think it can, I don't think it can... To be a disaster. Will we flop? I don't think so. But if he's on um, over a million pounds a week and it doesn't quite work yeah. out, what, what, what does that really? What, what does that do for the squad and what does that do for the club? With all the, they've already had their troubles with UEFA. Do they really mm. need that attention of sort of spending a million pound on a player? Yeah, you're right. I, I, one big thing that I, I didn't mention earlier is obviously that City's probably the only club that, um, or one of the only clubs that can spend the money that uh, that'll take to bring Messi across. But do they want to spend that sort of money? I think I think he can be that um, he can be that difference between them winning a Champions League in the next couple of years and them not. And that's I think that's the one that they're that, that they're chasing. They've won a couple of league titles now. They've won a couple of FA Cups. They want to win that European Cup very soon. And this a big signing like Messi will just broaden their brand immensely across the globe. Once you bring somebody like Messi into the club, the um, they, the money that they could that they, they could generate and the publicity that they could generate and that could uh, for them they could probably see that as something that could uh, in some ways take them out of the United shadow. You know, not it's not just that Manchester's not just about Manchester United. For them they could look at this as being a way to catapult themselves and put them um, you know as a a global brand to rival Manchester United, their great rivals across the city. You just read my mind there. That was my next point to you. We always sit here and say, no matter what city win, if they win the next Premier League, if they win the next five, if they win the Champions League, they're never going to be as big as United. It doesn't matter what they do. And we all sit here and not just say it. I think we truly believe it. And I don't believe if Lionel Messi comes in, there is any power shift. I don't think Manchester City suddenly become bigger than Manchester United. I don't think that's the case at all. But in that, sort of, in that term, a power shift... You alluded to it a little bit there, but do you think there maybe is some kind of, if Lionel Messi does choose, I don't think it's a choice between City and United, I think 
City probably are the only club that can do it, so it's not much of a choice. But if Lionel Messi does end up at City, do you sort of put any weight in the argument of a potential power shift, or do you think okay, it's one player coming in for a few years, that's all it is, or do you think it is a real sort of turning of the tide? Not not so much as a turning of the tide. I mean, they'll, they'll never have the history uh, that uh, that United have, that we have. But um, will it be a power shift? No. But will it grow their brand? Will it grow their? Will it um? Will it make them as yeah. popular as Manchester United? Then that, that it'll, it'll go a hell of a long way to to broadening their their supporter base across the globe, right into South America, across Asia, of course. And um, yeah, this something, something, somebody like Messi coming into the, to, into that type of squad will just, for me, for them, they they'll just see that as something that's um, you know a, a, a massive opportunity. And if they need to outlay the money, I think they will in order to get that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's something that sort of challenges sort of Liverpool and Man United in terms of stature. However, I think uh, signing of Messi, I think, would put them sort of in that category with Arsenal and Chelsea in terms of the size of the club. And obviously, Arsenal have a far greater history. You could almost put City and Chelsea in the same historical category. But I think in terms of the size of the club, I think um, it definitely puts them maybe in that third or fourth size in England, which which is a big deal. So, um, But again, who knows what will happen. My hunch is that he stays at Barcelona. I think Barcelona, if this June 10 is written down, I think there's not too much that will get out of it. Um, or, but Messi does have a lot of influence in Barcelona. So um, time will tell. I'm sure there'll be another development. Um, another development by the next time we record. But speaking of the next time we record, I am having a chat to Jesper Olsen on Tuesday. So that might, we might upload it on the Tuesday or we might just put it as um, this podcast next week, maybe release it on Thursday, Australian time. But um, stay tuned, we'll post all over social media for that. Um, well, before we finish, thank you for Brennan for jumping on short notice and covering Larry's um, late injury. I'm not quite sure what the injury was, but. Um, Always good to have someone jump on and um, be a bit of a super sub. Uh, thanks for having me, Tom. No, pleasure. And also um, subscribe on your podcast app, whatever you listen to, either Spotify, SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure you're following UTD Pubcast on all the social medias. Um, not long to the season now, really. It feels, well, obviously United have another week off. But what is it now? It's less than three weeks? Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, Um September 19th, so about, so about three weeks actually, yeah, yeah so we do start a little bit later. Uh, unbelievable, um, hopefully we can get back and have a match night at the pub with the supporters club and we were just discussing a little bit earlier, we are likely to have a little bit, a few more Saturday night kickoffs, which will be good compared to the 3am Monday mornings, but um, until then, um, everyone have a good weekend, hopefully enjoy this podcast and um, tune in next week for um, another messy debate. Cheers. Cheers, Tom. Thank you.